Hello and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, we want to make sure you know how much we appreciate you. Thank you for listening and being a part of our podcast family. If you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to share your favorite episode with someone. It really does help our podcast grow. Hello. So good to see all of you today. I have, I think, an interesting story to tell you. I'm not sure if you like it, but it is odd and strange. And what you've come to expect from a visit with Dr. Andrew Michaels. And don't worry, I am here to help you. I want you to understand the story I am about to tell you. We have to go all the way back. To 1973, MGM Movies was releasing a novelty film called Wicked Wicked. That's right. Sometimes it was just called Wicked, but the real name of the movie is Wicked Wicked. It didn't have any big stars at the time in it. And I think it was the first time acting role for several people who starred in it. Wicked Wicked was a movie about a, a hotel detective who was trying to figure out who killing patrons of the hotel, but very specific patrons, only women with long, beautiful, blonde hair. It was filmed side by side called Duo Vision. Now we have to visualize this. A piece of film is 35 millimeters, okay? They showed two frames of 35 millimeter together for a panoramic looking 70 millimeter movie. The frames never matched. One side was telling one part of the story from a certain point of view, 
and the other frame was telling a different part of the story from a more natural audience point of view. So you would see the killer talk about his life or reminisce, and it would show flashbacks to when he was a child, when he was taken from his home as a young lad, that his family lost the home they lived in, and he ended up in children's services. And this, of course, turned him into the sociopath, psychotic killer that he was. You got to see the detective unravel this film showing you some details on the left and some action on the right. And then the frames would switch. The action would be on the left. Dialogue on the left. And the scene showing important minute details to the right. Duovision was of course something that didn't catch on. But it was popular with certain elements of society. There was a man the police were looking for. A murderer. It was Seattle, Washington, 1973. Not a huge movie market, but it had its own version of the midnight cinema. Between Rocky Horror and Psycho and The Hills Have Eyes, there was a movie stuck in between, shown for a short time, called Wicked, wicked. In duo vision. And the young murderer that I was on the trail of bought a ticket for that movie. And he went inside the theater and he sat down not knowing what to expect, but he was expecting a slasher film. Now in the 70s, grotesque, over-the-top, bloodletting, and creative ways to murder people. Well, that was a few years away yet, in the 1980s, when Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger were to come along. This is before that, in the early 1970s, when this movie was made, and, well, you stab somebody with a knife, but it was just like shooting somebody with a gun. They would just fall down. Kind of unrealistic. But it was still the kind of movie that would satiate, fill the need, fill the hunger for our audience member who happened to be a repeat offender, a murderer, a psychopath of the worst order. 
He had to calm his spirit, and he hoped a night at the movies would do this just that, get his mind to reset, get his mind to calm down. But nothing further could be from the truth. The movie was getting mixed reviews, and he needed special projection film cameras to show it. It wasn't popular with theater owners, but it was starting to make ground. It was a it was a good movie. It was tongue in cheek, some comedy, a very campy movie. And camp really sold back then the idea of a silly over the top movie with every silly crime and punishment movie trope in it. Every stereotype clung to. The young man sat down in a theater with only a few patrons beside himself and started watching the movie. He thought something was wrong at first. He didn't understand the dual vision concept or the dual vision idea, two frames running at the same time. Something was not right. Something was amiss. The projectionist was making a mistake. But, no. This was the movie. Always looking around at his surroundings, he missed the very beginning, and he was confused. Outside himself. But very quickly he realized that this was the movie he came to see. And it had a weird effect on his brain. He could cover one eye, then the next, absorbing one frame and then the next, from one side to the other, and then all together at once when he removed his hands, the movie would pour into his mind the music, the music, he had heard that music before, it was the organ music. Phantom of the Opera. Not the silly remakes, not the pathetic romantic movies made after. No, this was the classic. The masterpiece. Lon Chaney. 
movie detective. You literally have to fall onto the murderer to catch him. And in some ways he did. (laughs) It was like the movie was unraveling his whole career before his eyes. He loved it so much it was like an autobiographical record of his life and times how he was treated by his family how he was abandoned how he was left to the streets how the streets tried to devour him but in return he found his power he found his grace and he founded his kingdom in the ashes of a life of a scared little boy and now he was a courageous determined man king among men and someone not to be trifled with and all the king's horses and all the king's men can't stop me from spilling blood again (laughs) he found himself salivating oh it had the Hollywood ending they always do silly Nice, wrapped up bow of a Hollywood ending. The present completely wrapped. Roll credits. It wasn't enough. He wanted to see it again. He he immediately left the theater and asked for another ticket. I'm sorry, we're closed. That was the last viewing for the night. Please roll it again. I'll pay any amount of money. He pulled several hundred dollars from his wallet. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Just come back tomorrow. We all got to go home. We all have lives to live. You're not going to have a life to live unless you play it again. No, I said play it again. It turned into an argument. And the ushers unceremoniously threw him out told him to come back tomorrow if he tries that again he's going to get banned from the theater oh the anger and the frustration he put his hand in his pocket of his jacket and fondled the handle on the blade he always carried a blade not a knife Not a gun. (laughs) A blade. A blade. A tool. In my hands, it's scalpel. It cuts. Like an artist. With a brush. But we have to keep our composure, don't we? We have to keep our 
taste, tried to eat, tried to drink, tried to sleep. Nothing worked. I had to see that movie. Had to see that movie and bleary-eyed entirety went back to the theater first thing, waiting for it to open. It didn't open until noon. And he was there at 10 a.m., angry, frustrated. Maybe get something to eat. Maybe get something to drink. Sleep on a bench. A 22-ounce bottle of cheap malt liquor in a brown paper bag and a park bench inside of the theater were keeping him company while he waited for the theater to open for the first viewing. Must see Wicked Wicked. Must see Wicked Wicked. He breathed in and out and slipped into slumber. On the park bench, the bottle in his hand, his hand inside his pocket, over his blade, and his wallet. He knew how to rest safely in the city in case somebody tried to lift any of these items from his person. They would awaken him in a find that they had bitten off more than they can chew. He was spied by one of the ushers who was there the night before. A younger man working for minimum wage. Making money for college. He walked up to the park bench remembering him flashing all those bills, all those big fifty Hundreds. He must have had fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars jammed in that thick leather wallet. If he could just weasel it out of him, he could pull the money for his tuition and extras, girls, movies, maybe even a car, maybe a bus ticket back home. Wouldn't have to hitch a ride for the holidays. He pulled on the man's wallet, trying to pull it out of the jacket, away from his fingertips. He wasn't a pickpocket. He really was just an usher. And that's all he would ever be. It did only take a second for the murderer to awaken and realize he was being by someone from the very theater that threw him out the night before. Sometimes, he thought to himself, sometimes, sometimes karma is just too good. Just too good. In a flash, the blade came out of the jacket Literally in one felled strike, his hand arced across the boy's 
neck and landed on the bench beside him. His hand, using all of his technique, focusing past the boy's throat, he actually struck his hand on the back of the bench. Blood speckled the green wood of the nasty bird dung-covered bench he was sitting on. His throat completely opened. He gushed out. Without a single sound, the murderer stood up quickly, too late to prevent the blood from trickling down his pants as the boy was bent over top of him. But he should be able to hide it, he thought, and he grabbed the boy by the chest, spun him around, and plopped him in the same place he was once sitting. The knife quickly went back in the jacket. He pulled a handkerchief with one smooth movement, wiped the blood from his fingers, jammed the handkerchief up against the boy's neck with his own hand, told him, hold on, hold on, help will come soon, hold on. The boy, in panic, held the handkerchief to his own throat, slumped over, just on cue, passed out from blood loss, died before his very eyes. His movements, so quick, so graceful, so perfect, no one saw him kill him. The blood on his pants was not that bad. It blended in with the black fabric. It soaked up quite well. Now it's time for me to reach in your vest pocket, he told the young man, and he pulled the key to the theater. A short walk across the park into the theater and he was in he walked down and sat in the theater waiting for the movie to come and at the click of the clock 11 turned to 12 the lights came on. People sat down, none the wiser. And our story character got a free showing, an all-day viewing of Wicked Wicked to its heart's desire. He couldn't help but laugh. It was that ticket, though. It was that ticket, though, that gave him away. When he pulled out that knife and he slit his throat and spun up, jumped up, spun around and shoved the boy back down the bench, he didn't notice his ticket from Wicked Wicked the night before. 
falling from his pocket and landing on the seat. The boy sat right down on top of it. When he finally slumped over and fell from the bench and was found a couple hours later, it was that very ticket and the fact that he worked there that gave everything away. Police surrounded the theater. They tried to arrest our man, but not knowing who they were looking for or what they were looking for, they had to hold everyone at bay. Eventually, his still damp pants gave him away. He tried to talk his way out of it and say that he was trying to help the young man. It was a suicide. But the blade in his pocket and him unknowingly putting himself in the wrong place at the wrong time meant that he was going to be held until a judge could set his bail. Now, what does any of this have to do with me? Well, if you remember back two weeks ago at the end of our camp, ASMR Adventures, the Bigfoot handed me a note that said that I was needed on Denman Island. Denman Island is where the murders took place back in 1973. You won't find anything on these murders. They were all hushed-hushed, covered up. Several rich politicians at the time used it as a holiday retreat and didn't want the bad press there. But as I unfolded the note, two pieces of paper fell out of the note. One was a ticket from that very movie theater. And one was a ticket they used to give you when you rode the ferry from the mainland to Denman Island. And I knew right away I had to get there in haste. Realizing after he served his time in the United States for manslaughter, he was sent back to Canada. And it's been Long enough he might have made bail. Is it possible they released him? I hate to leave you hanging like this, 
but all of your questions will be answered next week. And I have so many of my own. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you. <laughs>